Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us, and then you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. I will be reading from Luke 1, 26 to 38, the account of the angel's visit to Mary. And I will be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, the account of the angel's visit to Joseph. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. About a month ago on All Saints Day, I share with you uh, some insights from a book by William Bridges called Managing Transitions. Uh, it's a very good book. If you missed that sermon, I invite you to go back and 
read or watch it sometime and, and, and hear what I was saying about managing transitions in life. But there's some other, there's another insight in this book that I wish to share. And this insight I probably would have missed on my own. Uh, it was, it was something that was kind of highlighted and pulled out of it for me by a, by a friend named Doug Anderson, who was a consultant we worked with when I was at St. Luke's and became my executive coach when I came here to Zionsville as my, as the senior pastor. And so the, and there's a chapter in Managing Transitions where William Bridges is talking about leading into a new beginning. He says there's four things that a leader must clarify whenever they're launching something new. The four things they must clarify are this. They all start with P, purpose, picture, plan, and part. Doug Anderson used to say this is leadership gold. So let me unpack it a little bit. Purpose answers the question of Why? You know, and as Simon Sinek famously wrote his book, we always start with why. What is our purpose? What is our why behind everything we do? And then we move to our picture, which answers the question of what. What will it look like if we are faithful to the purpose that we have as an organization? And so, you know, your, your, your picture could be, you know, where you set goals as an organization or where you kind of set objectives. It's, it's the dreaming stage. And the more detailed and specific the picture gets, the, the better you can track your progress, you know, as you're moving forward as an organization. Once you have a, a well-defined picture of where you want to go, then you move to the plan, which answers the question of how. How are we going to get from where we are to where that is? How are we going to make this picture a reality for us? And within the plan, you will then define parts, which answers the question of who. Who is going to do each piece of this big plan? And, and, and by when are they going to deliver each thing that they're responsible for? So purpose, picture, plan, in part. I have found, as Doug Anderson kind of promised me, that these, this is leadership gold. I've used these, this framework for countless planning retreats with my staff over the years. And, uh, and I often find when, when things aren't going the way that I hoped or envisioned, I can go back to these four words and I can kind of start looking at them and say, well, between purpose, picture, plan, and part, which one of these was unclear, which one of these was underdeveloped, and which one needs more attention now in order for us to get where I'm hoping we can go uh, as a church. So I offer them to you. Now, you can apply them in lots of different directions, you know, whatever business you're in. I imagine you could probably apply them to Christmas, right? Like if you have the purpose of having the best Christmas ever, well, then I would encourage you, then, 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 then make a picture, define what the best Christmas ever would look like. And it might look like certain meals, certain decorations, certain gifts, certain traditions and people that you're going to spend time with. So you develop a picture. And then if you're of a certain personality type, you start making a plan. You start making lists of all the things that have to get done. And you pull out your calendar and you start tracking when are all these things going to get done in order to make the plan a reality. And then after you make the plan, if it's a big enough plan, then you start defining the parts. You start delegating tasks. Who's going to write the Christmas letter? Who's going to help hang decorations? And with a Christmas feast, who's going to cook what and bring it to the party together, right? So you can have a, a, a purpose, a picture, a plan, and a part, and you can have a very merry and efficient Christmas. Except, of course, things don't always go according to plan, do they? The unexpected 
happens. And when the unexpected happens, it throws our plans into all of a tizzy. Because remember, this is what we're talking about for this Christmas season, that God shows up in unexpected times, in unexpected places, and through unexpected people. Whatever plans you might have, you can bet God's going to show up in ways that we cannot expect. And here's the challenge is if we get too attached to our plans, too attached to our picture, we might have a merry and efficient Christmas, but we might in the process squeeze God out because God shows up in the unexpected. So how do we make space in our plans? How do we make space in our picture for God to show up in unexpected ways? Well, here's where Mary and Joseph have a whole lot to teach us. Because God showed up for them in an unexpected way. Last week, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how God showed up and gave them unexpected hope, gave them the good news that in their old age, they were going to have a son and that this child would be the one who would go before the long-awaited Messiah. He gave them this unexpected hope and the task for Zechariah and Elizabeth was to believe and receive that's simple, to believe that this thing could happen and to receive it into their life and into their family. And that certainly, you could also apply believe and receive to Mary and Joseph, but I want to go one step further because I think the task that was given to Mary and Joseph was to accept and surrender. Because accepting the task that God gave to them meant that their whole life was going to be turned upside down. Every young couple that's getting married has a picture of what their life is going to be like. This past week, I was meeting with a couple in our church that's getting married next September. And I asked them, I said, you know, what are you most excited about? And the groom-to-be spoke up and here's the first answer. He says, well, I have this picture in my head of what it's going to be like when we're married. And he told me this picture he had about what it was like to come home and, and to be together and you know, this you know, 2.5 kids and all that, except he didn't say 2.5 kids. I, I'm not gonna tell his whole picture. But even as he was spinning out the picture, I wanted to say to him, you realize, of course, pictures don't always hold up. It just is true. Between the services, I was talking to uh, one of the members of the church, and, and he shared with me this uh, analogy that I, I found very powerful. He said, you know, when you get married, everyone has a picture, and then you have a partner with whom you get to live. And he said, you have to make a choice. You either rip up the picture and embrace and enjoy your partner, or you hold on to the picture, or yeah, you hold on to the picture and you tear up your partner. And I thought, well, that's pretty darn true. We all have to get, let go at some point of the picture we had. But at Mary and Joseph, I bet they had a picture too, didn't they? I mean, a picture of what their life was going to be like when they got married. How many, how many kids they were going to have, where they were going to live, the kind of work Joseph was going to do, who their neighbors would be, what synagogue they would go to. I mean, they had a picture of what their life was going to become. And then as soon as they got betrothed, they would have begun working on a plan to make that picture reality. Joseph would have begun building a house into which he could move his wife and raise his family. Mary would have begun gathering all the materials and gifts that she needed in order to make that house into a home. They would have been working the plan to make the picture happen. And then the angel Gabriel came to each of them at different times. 
And Gabriel's words would have turned their picture upside down. It would have thrown their plans out the window because it was nowhere in any of their picture. When they pictured their wedding day, not once would they have pictured Mary being pregnant. And it was not Joseph's plan to raise a child that wasn't his own. In fact, as soon as Mary became pregnant, Joseph formed a plan of his own. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that because Joseph was a righteous man, and because he didn't want to hurt Mary, expose her to disgrace or shame, he made plans to put her aside quietly. And then the angel Gabriel came to him and said, don't do that. Among the many words the angel Gabriel said, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary's wife. Don't let fear and anxiety keep you from doing something that you're going to regret. Don't be afraid for this may not be your plan, but this is God's plan. What's happening right now for the child that she carries now was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he shall save his people from their sins, and you shall call him Jesus. And then the angel roots this plan that Joseph is suddenly being brought into, into the bigger plan of God's salvation, plans which have been in motion for centuries. He says, all this will take place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet six centuries prior. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God had a plan, a beautiful, unexpected plan, a plan to save his people, not just the people of Israel, but all the people of the world to rescue us from our sins, to free us from the power of death. God had a plan But that plan would require the offering of his own son. And that plan would require the sacrifice of two parents who would watch over and protect his son in those childhood years when he was most vulnerable to the world. And that plan required Joseph to become that child's father so that Jesus could trace his lineage all the way back to King David and fulfill the covenant of David. And because Joseph and then Jesus were descended from the line of David, that meant that Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, even though they lived in Nazareth. And then when Jesus' life was threatened by King Herod, Joseph and Mary had to move him, move their family down to Egypt and raise him there until it was safe to come home. They had to live as political refugees. But God provided for that in advance through the gifts of the Magi, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, those costly items would have been exactly what Joseph and Mary would have needed in order to provide, in order to survive those difficult and hard years. So we can know that God anticipated it all from the decree of Caesar Augustus to the cruelty of King Herod to the migration from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Egypt and back to Nazareth again. God had anticipated every step of the journey. And Matthew says it all took place to fulfill the words of the prophets. God had a plan 
a beautiful, unexpected plan. And the thing is, at the moment when the angel came to Mary and Joseph, there was no way they could see that plan. They had no way of picturing where this child was going to take them. They wouldn't have known that they would end up in Egypt someday. They wouldn't have known that the baby was going to be born in Bethlehem. They wouldn't have known that Joseph was going to pass away at an early age, leaving Jesus to care for his mother and to help provide for his family. They had no way of knowing. Mary could not have foreseen that one day her son would become this amazing rabbi. She, she couldn't have foreseen the flocks, the crowds of people that would flock to Jesus in order to hear his teaching. She couldn't have foreseen the miracle of seeing him heal and bring hope to so many. She couldn't have anticipated the hurt of seeing him rejected and watching, standing at his feet as he's crucified upon his cross. She couldn't have anticipated the astonishment of Jesus, her son, coming back to life again. It was all unexpected. They didn't have any of this information to work on. All they had was what God gave them, a new purpose and a part to play in his story. My point is this, is that God holds the plan and God holds the picture for each of our lives. And that means we don't. Author Reggie Joyner, he, uh, he has this in, in his book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. He makes this distinction that I've always found helpful between better picture and bigger story living. Better picture living, he says, is what most of us do because we have this picture of what our lives should be like, of what our family should be like, of what our job and our home, what everything should be like. And we keep trying to measure up and live into this better picture for our lives. The challenge is, is that there is no perfect home, perfect job, perfect partner. Life is messy. And he says, so thank goodness that when we read through the Bible, we don't find any perfect people or perfect families. Everywhere we look, we see imperfect people and dysfunctional families in the Old Testament and in the New. And he says, perhaps this is for a purpose that God wants to show us that he can take imperfect people and imperfect families in order to tell a bigger story of hope and redemption. And so we are invited, therefore, to set aside our picture, to stop trying to live up to others' expectations, or our own expectations, and instead embrace the bigger story that we are all part of. How do we do that? How do we live into God's bigger story? Well, we do it by accepting who we are, where we are, and surrendering our plans and our pictures into God's hands so that we might respond to the purpose and the call that he gives to us. So last week we said from unexpected silence with Zechariah, you know, he couldn't speak for nine months. From unexpected silence can come unexpected hope. And I would say to you this week, unexpected plans, when God turns your plans upside down, perhaps what God wants you to do when he turns your plans upside down is he wants you to let go of your picture so that you might be brought into his unexpected peace. Think about Mary and Joseph. Let's go back to those four words, purpose, picture, plan, part. 
What parts of those four words, which of these changed for Mary and Joseph and which stayed the same? I mean, we already know their picture was completely withdrawn, redrawn. Their plans were thrown out the window, right? God, and God didn't clarify what the picture was going to be. God didn't clarify what the plan was going to be. What God gave them was purpose. I want you to bear and raise my son. What God gave them was a part to play in his bigger story. And as Mary and Joseph were faithful to the purpose and the part that God gave them, then God took care of the plan. He provided for them every step of the way and he, t and he led them into a greater picture for their lives and for their family and for the future than anything they could have ever conceived. In other words, this is my point. God holds the plan and God knows the picture. They're not ours, but God gives us purpose if we let him. If we surrender our picture and our plans, God will give us purpose. And God invites us to take part in his bigger story. We are invited, every single one of us, to hold loosely, you know, to our picture and our plans. We, we have them, sure, but hold on to them loosely. Hold tight to the purpose God gives you. Hold tight to the part you play in his story. God will take care of the rest. So maybe you're in a place this morning where your plan or the picture of your life has been turned upside down. Change in job, change in your family, change in relationships. Maybe things feel pretty chaotic and fluid right now. And I want to say to you, if you're in that place, that's okay. Because that's actually an opportunity where you can surrender your picture and your plan in order to trust God, that God's going to take care of him. God will make his plan. God will reveal his plan over time if you trust him to do so. Or maybe you're in a place where God has put some burden on your heart, but it's a scary burden because saying yes to whatever that thing may be will disrupt your picture and your plans for your life. And I want to say to you, if you're in that place, trust God. Say yes to the purpose and the part. What would it look like for you to respond the same way Mary did? Let it be unto me, according to your will, according to your word. Or maybe you're in a place where you don't know what your part is. If you're in that place, that's okay. Be faithful. Stay open. Keep your eyes alert and awake. As you don't get caught up in the rat race of the Christmas season. Instead, keep your eyes open for, for unexpected moments where God shows up, unexpected places, unexpected people who cross your path. Because I do believe God's purpose reveals itself. It presents itself if we are faithful to seek it. Plans are good. I speak as someone who likes plans, who gets really anxious when I don't know the plan. All of us like to know the plan. All of us like to have a plan. But the thing is, God's plan is often unknowable, but it is trustable. Because even when we don't see the plan or the picture clearly, we can trust that God's plan and God's picture is perfect. And we can embrace whatever purpose he gives us. We can be faithful right where we are, 
to whatever part God wants us to play in his bigger story. And if we entrust our plan and our picture into his hands, we can be confident that God will direct our paths. Amen.